So we're in this Christmas series today. It's a little tricky to read, uh, so sorry about that. But it's supposed to say peace, joy, and love. This week we're in this series, we're talking about joy. And just full disclosure on the front end, uh, it's, it's been a rough week for me. And I knew we were about to pray about joy this week, and all week long it's felt, it's felt really ironic to me. Like I'm about to get up and preach about joy. I've been thinking that all, all week. So my guess is, though, I have a lot of conversations with people in the room today that are in a lot of different emotional places, from struggles with somebody they love having dementia, a baby about to be born, and uh, you know, the baby might be breached, or the, the mom, and uh, all the way to like struggles with kids and jobs and why did my brother get this and I didn't get it? And, you know, I mean, like all sorts of different stuff. Uh, how to get a Christmas present for a, grandparent, a grandkid. You know, there's a lot of different emotions in the room. And if we'll bring ourselves fully to Jesus today, I think Jesus has something to give us. And I've come to him needy a bunch this week. So I'm not coming to you like, here, I've got a lot of joy, and let me share it with you. I don't, I don't quite have that. But I have with have had experiences this week of coming to Jesus needing help and Jesus being faithful. And so wherever you're at today, like if we'll come with that, if we'll come hungry to Jesus, I think Jesus will fill you and me up, okay? Um, so we're going to start in kind of a funny spot. I started kind of serious there, but when people talk about joy, like earthly wisdom, human wisdom, if you listen to some podcasts about joy or read some self-help books, a lot of times they'll tell you like the secret to joy is being really in the moment, like actually living and paying attention to what's around you and what's going on. Uh, and it's not a bad starting spot. When we're trying to get to something, it's not bad to start with, what do I know? Start there and then look at Jesus. Like that's not a bad approach. So uh, I'm gonna take us to a, a real random thing on paying attention though. And that's this picture, if we can put it up there, hopefully it'll show of this monkey. If We've probably all had bananas before, I would assume, uh, and we've probably seen a monkey eat a banana. I'm not sure of that second one, but you probably have seen that. Here's the deal. Uh, sometimes you see, you have a problem, and you think like there's one way to solve it, and then you see somebody else solve the same problem in a different way, and you're like, huh, like I never would have thought of that. So uh, depending on your worldview, whether monkeys or people know the most about bananas, like there's a right way in an upside down way to eat a banana. Uh, and people typically do it opposite of how monkeys do it. If you ever pay attention to a monkey eating a banana, they will, like this one, they hold it by like the, the end that we normally break off and eat from the top. Like they hold it opposite. And they split it apart and eat it. And it's easy to think like they're doing it wrong except for like they're monkeys and it's bananas. Like maybe we should give them that. Like maybe, maybe they know more about bananas. They've eaten a lot more than I have. So they're just different from us, right? And one of the ways you can see they're different is like given the same problem of I want to get to the banana, how do I get through this thing? They do it different. And right away, obviously there's lots of differences between monkeys and us, but that's a big one. Or that's one that you notice is how they solve that problem. We're going to be looking at the Christmas story today. And if you've grown up around church or if you've watched the Peanuts movie 
Like you're going to have heard what we're going to talk about from the Bible. But if you don't pay attention, you won't notice the detail here. God's going to do some stuff very different than how we would do it. And if God's big plan with Jesus is carried out a lot differently than how we would do it, like we should pay attention to that. Because like it doesn't really matter how monkeys eat bananas because like I don't plan on living with any monkeys anytime soon. Bananas aren't that important to me. Like it's just, so it's not that big a deal. But as Christians, if we say like the most important person in our whole life is Jesus and God as Father, then like the way they do things should matter. It's gonna affect our relationship. So as we're reading this story about the, good, about the shepherds and about Jesus coming to earth the first Christmas, I want us to pay attention as we read it. And I want to plant in your mind that like God saw the world was really a broken place, right? People are hurting each other. There's hate. There's greed. There's all sorts of junk. There's fear. And God's big plan kicks off like in Bethlehem in this way. He approaches the problem of all the world's mess a lot differently than we would approach it. And so as we're reading this, I want you to really put yourself in the story and try to pay attention to like God's made choices and how Jesus comes to earth. And let's learn, let's be curious about God as we read it, okay? Sometimes we just hear this and there's no curiosity left, right? So I'm set the stage in case you've never heard this before or just if you've never been around sheep and shepherds before. Uh, this next image here is of some sheep. And this is what sheep look like when they're getting ready to, to chill out for the end of the day. So if we think like we're about to read about shepherds at night, but when we're getting close to evening, if those sheep have been eating all day long, what sheep like to do for hours at the end of the day is they like to chew their cud. It's kind of a gross sounding thing. Uh, it's not really that gross to be around, though, like compared to some, the way some other animals do it. Like sheep, they get down, they have this very awkward way of like folding their limbs underneath them and getting to this like little wool ball. And they're like slow and awkward about it. And then they just chill out, right? And it just looks like they're chewing and kind of burping. They keep their mouths closed. Though. They're like polite kids, right? Like they burp at the table, but like with their mouths closed, right? Like it's, uh, I don't know. That's what they like to do. They like to get close to the people they feel safe around and they just sit there for hours, right? So that's the scene. Imagine you're there, you got some sheep chewing the cud around you, and you're with some shepherds, and they're keeping watch over their flock at night, is what the passage we're gonna read. So this next slide is just nighttime's coming on. And so at night, with sheep, if you're a good shepherd, and it says they're trying to keep, take care of them, you're paying attention because the sheep are not good at paying attention. And nighttime is when, if there's gonna be some danger with your flock, like this is probably when it would happen, right? So you're trying to pay attention for wolves or whatever else out there. So you're trying to notice little stuff out in the distance and you're trying to watch over your sheep, but this is the same stuff you do every night. This is your normal routine, right? So that's where we pick up in Luke chapter two. If you guys got a Bible, turn to Luke chapter two, but keep your imaginations going as we read this. Like try to really picture what this scene would be like to experience, right? So Luke chapter two, starting in verse eight, 
So if you've not heard the Christmas story before, the idea is Joseph and Mary have come to Bethlehem. They've just had the baby, baby Jesus, and he's been born, and now God is deciding to tell some people about it. So that's what we're going to pick up in verse 8. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So pause. Think about if you were one of those shepherds, like what does it smell like out in the field at night with all these sheep? How quiet is it? Like what sounds do you hear? How does your own body feel? Are you laying down? Are you sitting? Are you standing looking? Okay. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. It's hard to imagine that, right? But we get a descriptor here that helps, and they were terrified. So whatever you're picturing, when you picture angel, the factual detail we get is it's First impression is terrifying, right? So this isn't probably like a Hallmark card sort of <laughs> angel. But picture that. You've outside, you're just you're trying to look for shadows for wolves or something. The sheep are all around. Then all of a sudden there's this glory of God. This angel, the spiritual being, appears and it's terrifying. Are you looking at what you're afraid of? Are you turning away? Are you closing your eyes? If you do close your eyes, you got like, like crazy like purple after you look at something bright when it's dark and you close your eyes, right? You're like, ah. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. A lot is happening in just a few seconds for you, right? Like you're terrified, and then this being like you've never seen before is telling you, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, that's another name for Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So the angel sent from God to declare this message. This is how he describes Jesus. He says calls him a savior, born for you all, Messiah, which kind of means savior you've been waiting for, and Lord. Verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So these random shepherds have been picked not just to hear about Jesus, but they've been picked to be given directions of like go and experience Jesus, like go find Jesus. Do you have any relation to this in your own life where you feel like out of the blue, God reached into your life and said, pay attention and go get to Jesus? Some of you have had powerful experiences where God came down and said, pay attention and go get to Jesus. That's what their experience is, right? Not everybody in Bethlehem had it, but that's what those guys got to experience. Verse 13, so I'm real big on the practical, right? Like if Jake Taylor were running this show, it'd be like, okay, we gave them the truth. We gave them a practical step, like wrap it up, right? God's very different. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, 
praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So you have this message, but then it's time for this giant celebration from these, and these heavenly beings. And it's interesting to me, we don't get a lot of dialogue from angels in the Bible. They always have a, I'm always interested in their perspective on humans, right? And here they describe us as on whom God's favor rests, right? Like from their perspective, like we're blessed because God, we seem to have some sort of favoritism from God. God doesn't send Jesus to the demons to help them out, right, when they make mistakes, right? He sends Jesus to us. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, can you imagine this? Like, what, how, what do their facial expressions look like, right? Like, that all just happened, and then you look around at each other, like, back to regular night, and the sheep, I don't know what the sheep are up to. If they've all run away, or if they're still sitting there chewing the cud, or what. But the shepherds say, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger, in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told, what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The story goes on, there's, I mean, it's hard to stop in the Gospels, like it's just, it keeps going to more and more good stuff. I'm going I'm to stop us there for the day. These guys have this amazing encounter. They've been called to like go pay attention to Jesus and then they go and tell everybody else around them about it. And some of you at Maywood, you've been those people like the people in the town. Like you didn't have this giant crazy miracle happen in your life, but you can tell from the story that you're hearing that something really special has happened. And now you have to respond with a lot of faith that miracle's true, or, or with, oh, I'm going to ignore that person. They're weird or different from me, right? There's a lot of directions we could take what we just experienced in Luke, what we just read about. The thing I want you to think about right now is if God had told you the world's a messed up place, here's all the power that God has, like, do something about it. I don't think any of us would have come up with, like, the Bethlehem Christmas, right? Of like, I'm gonna send God himself as a human baby to impoverished young parents and I'm gonna do a really big show to some of like, just a few blue-collar guys out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm going to let them tell everybody about it. And that's how we're going to get started saving the world, right? Like, it's not, right, this is a lot different than the monkey. But we notice, like, we're a lot closer to monkeys than we are to God, right? Like, we're like, like, the banana thing, never thought about it, eating it upside down, but, like, not that strange. This is the plan to save everybody. It starts with this baby in this very different way. Like, we... 
there's no insult here, right? Like we, I know from when I try to solve problems, I make a lot of messes, right? So I'm not saying like, oh, I'd do a better job, obviously, than God. What I'm saying is God's way of solving things is very different than the Jake Taylor plan. When we come into our week or our life, however long a scope you want to look at it, a lot of times we think, well, God needs to do this to fix this. When we actually come to God, though, we're getting God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. They, don't, they haven't changed their character since 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. Like, it's not that they don't love us. Like, How many of us love some poor person that we see enough to say, I'm going to go live with them underneath the, the bridge to show them what love is really about, right? I mean, like Jesus leaves all the riches of heaven to come live in poverty with people to teach us and show us about God. I mean, there's no doubting the love that Jesus shows. He raises from the dead. I mean, that's part of this story that we'll get to eventually, right? Like, there's no doubting the power involved with Jesus, right? But the method is way different than a normal human method would be. And in your life, what you probably want from God is something that involves less love and sacrifice from God. It might involve even less power from God, but it involves a much faster, more human method, right? Because we have these little, I I pick this picture and just like baby's feet, when you see their feet or their hands, like they're just so tiny. I feel like when you've been away from a baby for a little while and then you see a newborn, it's still shocking, like just how small they are. And if you're away from them for a few weeks, it's like you forget just how tiny when they're first born. None of us have a problem in our life that we think like, oh yeah, I I want the solution to that problem to involve a baby being born today and then growing up and at around age 30, solving it, right? Because most of us are looking for much different things, I think, than God is after in our life. It's not that we're looking for more. We're looking for faster and easier. I asked my son, I was struggling to write this sermon all week, to be honest. I was struggling so much. I've never even ever done this before, like mining my kids for sermon material. But I did it yesterday. I was in that sort of a spot. So I'm eating lunch with Samuel, and I just made him a sandwich. And I said, Samuel, what is joy? Because I thought, whatever he says, like, maybe this is going to help. I need help on this sermon. Uh, Here's what he told me. I just made him a sandwich in this next slide here. He said, sandwich. Sandwich brings me joy. You know, like, I just thought, like, hmm. You know, like. So his perspective, Samuel very much lives in the moment, which is good. But for him, his best understanding of joy is just kind of this like vague happiness if something good's happening right in that moment, right? If I had not put cheddar cheese on that sandwich, he would not have described it as joyful, right? Like, because that's the only cheese for him, right? So like, uh, a lot of us, if you're having a hard time with this joy topic this morning, it might be that in your life, you define joy closer to like Samuel does. If there's something good in front of you that you can take hold of right now, good, life's good. 
And if, because Samuel defined joy as a sandwich, it wasn't too much later in the day where not in a good mood, right? I mean, like the sandwich was around the whole day and there was a real rough time, you know, before the night was done, right? So, right, it's up and down. And if we base our inside condition on our outside circumstances, like it's gonna be like that, right? Joy has a lot to do with our inside condition. So a moment where Samuel wasn't joyful yesterday was he had to get a blood draw and the poor tech, like he, like, he was so scared, he like twisted his arm while she had a needle in his arm trying to get blood. And it, it didn't, the needle didn't pop out right then, but shortly after, like right after that moment, the needle wound up popping out and there's this like blood getting on the floor. It was pretty terrible. And Samuel hates blood. He's just going nuts. And it was, it was bad, right? So being a, a preacher dad, I, I of course had waited to pray about any of this until after we'd had two failed attempts and there's blood on the floor. <laughs> He's screaming, and I'm like, well, maybe we should pray about this. <laughs> you know, this next one goes better. So we finally prayed about it, and the next one did go better. And we got to talk about how, like, is, we should probably pray when we go through hard things, right? And wish we would have prayed before the first time they poked you, right? Um, over time, Samuel's got this opportunity to learn about you can go to God with your hard stuff. You can trust God when you go through hard things. It's not that God doesn't interact through those daily things that are going on. But if Samuel keeps like, uh, I got to have sandwiches to have joy, like it's going to be a rough go in life, right? So I would say all this stuff, where am I headed with it? Well, two more slides for you and we're going to wrap up. One is the one we read last week. I got to read it to us again because I feel like it's, it's where we need to get to with this series. So this is John Mark Comer. He says, the aim of a disciple of Jesus is to arrange our everyday ordinary lives so they are full of deep joy, peace, and love as we live in conscious communion with God all day long. It's very wordy, but what he's saying is, as Christians, we should have peace, love, and joy because we should be connected to God all day long. Now, it's good to aspire to that. What I can testify to this last week is I've had moments of a lot of frustration. I've had moments of a lot of sadness. I've had moments of loneliness. I've had moments of happiness. But I would say my most joyful moments in this past week have been, I've been trying to do that psalm thing I was talking to you guys about, and I was sitting by my Christmas tree, me and my cat, it was early in the morning, nobody else was awake. I'd had a terrible day the day before. But I was reading Psalms 105 and it was talking about remember the good things that God's done, like the miracles that he's done. And God just took me back to an experience I had in high school and I just remembered like in detail something God did for me. And I just remember, I just saw in a fresh, with kind of fresh eyes, the compassion that God has for me. And it was the most peaceful I was all week. And it was this joy that I could kind of hold on to to some extent, even as things continue to go up and down. So as your pastor, like, I can't say, like, oh, man, this is a week just full of joy. And I've got it figured out. So here you guys go. Just do what I do. But what I can say is, like, there's something to experience in your life. 
and holding on to connection with Jesus as you go through it. Because you're going to pick up over time on things. Like I saw a lot of monkeys eat bananas before I noticed that they were doing it opposite of me, right? And I read the Christmas story a lot of times before I really thought about like, wait, so the solution is like, here's a baby and they're going to, Jesus is going to wait 30 years before he really ever teaches anybody? You're going to start to pick up that God's really different from you, but also that he loves you in a way that you can hold even when things aren't going good. So last slide for you is this picture. I think a lot of us are after some sort of instant solution. Probably, if you've spent very much time outside, though, you've appreciated at some point a tree, right? You've gotten under its shade when it's hot out. You've eaten some fruit from a tree directly from a tree that's, like, delicious, right? But trees are these gifts that, like, don't come in quick packages, right? Like, it's 20 years, 40 years. Trees are these blessings that take a really long time to come to fruition. And... In our lives, a lot of us don't want our life to resemble a tree, right? Like we don't want the trajectory of our life to be really great decades from now. But when God looks at Ernie or when God looks at any one of us, he sees you as somebody that's going to live forever. And his view for like how to really help you Sometimes it involves a time frame that's a lot different than our time frames. And when I'm looking at my kids, my kids are typically focused on like the here and now, but a lot of times I'm thinking about how how what's happening right now, how is that gonna play out in adulthood? And that you're looking at trajectories more than the immediate details, right? It's not so important if they win the game. It's not even so important that they're, even if like the same sort of action happens, right? one of them wrestles the other one or something or like is mean in a game or something like it's more important like what's the real heart behind it right is it somewhat accidental or is it like being cruel and vengeful from the past or something you're paying attention to the trajectories because you know like these kids they're going to grow up and you're paying attention like how is this going to work if that same thing happens over and over for 18 years like what happens when God's looking at your life He sees the pain that Steve's in right now, right? He sees the pain that Joe's in right now. He doesn't belittle that. But he also is paying attention to like, how's what's happening right now going to look decades from now? What sort of tree is going to be there, right? So I want each of us to open up to joy with this attitude of like, God's probably coming at the problems of my life from a very different angle than I am. And just like Jesus came as a baby, it was a lot slower than probably my plan A would have been. But it also involves like God literally coming to be with us. Like that's what Emmanuel is like a fast way to say that. Jesus wants to come into your life right now, be with you, and make you into somebody that is good for all of eternity, connected with him for all of eternity. And so we get really focused on like the small problems or maybe they're giant. I mean, they're not small. Some of us are going through really hard stuff. 
but we're just not looking at it from the same perspective that God is. So if you're here today and you're like, I want that relationship with Jesus that goes on forever. I wanna be connected to God who loves me and is trustworthy forever. Like any one of us can have that today. If you've never had it, don't leave this room without talking to me or one of those folks that were praying up front. Like we would love to talk you through like how do you start? But if you've started with Jesus, but you don't feel close, you get to choose to be close. Like some of you showing up here at church today took a lot. And Jesus sees that you did it. And some of you, like Jesus is like, okay, you've been here, but now you have something you need to do. Just like those shepherds needed to go tell other people about it, right? We're gonna close out today with a baptism. This is my favorite way to end our services, right? This, uh, Eddie is coming up front and Mason, I think, is up there and is coming down. Um, God has been so good to us as a church that people continue to get started with Jesus here. Baptism is a, a time when we celebrate someone's dying to their old life and their trust in Jesus is gonna give them a new life. And when you see this baptism today, you get to participate with that person to say like, yeah, I do believe this. I believe that Jesus is gonna raise each one of us up to new life. So Eddie, I'm gonna hand things off to you. Love the sweater, by the way, Eddie, it's looking good. Yeah, I had to wear my Star Wars Christmas sweater today. So if, if, if you don't understand the meaning of this sweater, talk to somebody that's like 40 or under. And if you don't get it, you don't know me very well, so I'll just leave it at that. But, but anyway, it's, it's so cool that Jake was talking about trees and about young people. If you've been around Maywood for about the last six to eight months, you've known that we've, we've been baptizing a lot of people out of the youth group. Um, Mike and, and all the people that are working with the youth group are doing some fantastic work with our young people, and it's showing fruit. Uh, we've got some young people that are really getting serious about their relationship with Jesus. And, and this, is, this is the proof of it, that, that young people are coming forward, they're getting saved, they're turning their life over to Jesus, and then they're taking the next step, which is a step of obedience. And that is what baptism is. My name is Eddie. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my wife Sherry and I teach a baptism class here at Maywood on the second Wednesday of every month. Um, and we take you know, new believers through that whole process of what baptism is, why we do it in the Baptist church, the way that we do it, the philosophy behind it, um, and, and what it is and, and what it means to us. And for a lot of people, it's a new beginning. For a lot of people, it's a statement of where they are in their Christian walk. For some people, it's just, well, look, I just got saved. I need to do the next thing, and that's a statement of obedience. Jesus got baptized, so I'm going to get baptized. And uh, Mason has been waiting a while, so, so we're going to get him baptized. Uh, Mason, Joseph, come on in. Joseph Weekly, if you've been around a while, you've seen this guy up in the baptism a lot. We put him through his paces on a monthly basis. Uh, Joseph has been mentoring Mason for quite a while now. They've got a really good relationship. Uh, Mason is, is growing, and, and he's really getting serious about stuff, and so he wanted to get baptized. 
So we're going to do that. Uh, Mike Hempel, come up and pray for this young man. So, so Mason's an extremely likable kid, and uh, his, him and Joseph's relationship is just awesome to watch. And Mason, it's an honor to be able to pray for you today. So let's pray. So Lord, we want to thank you for who you are. We want to thank you for all your blessings, all your grace, and all your mercy. We want to thank you for our relationship with Mason. We want to thank you to be able to witness the bond between you and Mason. And Mason realizes that this is not the finish line, that this is the beginning of a long journey with you. We just ask you to be with Mason during this whole tour. In Jesus' name, amen. great way to conclude service. Let's pray to close out. Jesus, I thank you so much for new life at Maywood. Jesus, I pray for each one of us this week. Help us to see you. Help us to tell others what we see in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.